Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. Thought it would be a good time to circle back and talk a little bit about uh, Pakistan and India and, and maybe uh, take a look at what's going on with China, too. India seems to be sort of wedged in between the, the two of those, and uh, uh, Pakistan and China have a nice alliance going. Uh, China is doing some stuff there in Pakistan. But, uh, Jim, this, the last couple of days, things flared up in uh, uh, Pakistan. India lost a, a plane. What's that all about? Well, what it is is uh, something that's been going on for over a year. The uh, Pakistani military has been, how should I put it, carrying out a different kind of coup. About half the time since Pakistan became independent, same time as India, you know, in the late 40s, um, the government has been ruled by a military government that took over, you know, for the good of the country, and then under pressure, eventually allowed elections. Uh, the uh, since 2011, that's when the uh, the Americans went in and uh, got Osama bin Laden, who had been living in plain sight in a uh, in, in what was described as a Pakistani military city. It's where many of their facilities, including their their equivalent of West Point, is located. Um, and that was hugely embarrassing for the military because they were caught flat-footed. They were warned, obviously, and the commandos were in and out before the Pakistani military had any idea what was going on. Uh, the documents that came out of that indicated that the Pakistani military was indeed uh, aware of uh, Osama bin Laden uh, you know, having sanctuary uh, in one of their, their military bastions, as it were. And... Uh, the military were not happy about this. Uh, there was a lot of other embarrassments, and uh, suddenly uh, staging a coup was no longer as much of an option. In other words, in the past, the Pakistani military had been able to get a certain amount of public support for their their takeovers because you know the corruption is 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 bad in Pakistan. It's hard to say who's worse, Pakistan or India. You know, they're both in very bad shape in terms of uh, political corruption. Uh, but the Pakistani military is a far more corrupt institution than their Indian counterpart. Uh, it's something that doesn't get covered much. Uh, when the two countries became independent, there were two major differences between how they set up their government. Uh, India uh, went out of their way to eliminate the uh, the, Hashem, the feudalism. Uh, they literally bought out a lot of the feudal landowners uh, and distributed, you know, much of the land, you know, to uh, it's farmers. Land distribution sounds very communistic, but they 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 remained a democracy, although a very socialist one. Um, and but they also uh, instituted, uh, how should I put it, strict rules in the constitution and in in in, in fact. Uh, about the military and political, you know, balance. In other words, the Indian military was always, there was never any doubt, subordinate to the civilian government. It is not the case in Pakistan. Pakistan did not eliminate the feudalism, so power was concentrated in a small number, of, relatively small number of families, and the Pakistani uh, military was, uh, how should I put it, their political power grew unchecked. To the point now where 
we, among other people, describe Pakistan, the Pakistani military, or Pakistan as a as an army uh, with a country attached. Uh, that that's not unusual, uh, but it rarely ends well. And uh, on top of that, the Pakistani military in the late 1970s, desperate uh, for how should I put it, some way to hang on to power, uh, decided to do two things. One, they would create India as a permanent threat to Pakistan, whether India was actually that in, uh, or not, and it actually wasn't. Uh, secondly, they would use uh, what we tend to call these days asymmetric warfare. They would adopt uh, Islamic militarism, uh, Islamic terrorism, in effect, uh, and sponsor uh, Islamic uh, terrorist uh, organizations and give them sanctuary uh, in Pakistan if they would attack India. The main uh, focus of this was Kashmir. When the two countries separated, there was a dispute over who should own Kashmir. Uh, in, in, in legally, uh, technically, let's say, India, it belonged to India because the, the, the rule was if the head of the, uh, if the pre, uh, you know, independence, uh, head of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the old, you know, uh, 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 pre-colonial state, as it were, was a Hindu, then the state was Hindu. Uh, if he was Muslim, then the state was Muslim. Kashmir, there was a dispute. Most of the population, a little over half, was Muslim, but the uh, the leaders were Hindu, um, and uh, India immediately took it all. Uh, Pakistan invaded, uh, and and well, they still well, like they uh, they don't own half of it, but they don't they 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 owned about over a third of it, and uh, not the best part of it. But anyway, uh, that's been a festering wound ever since. Um, uh, even though India is much more powerful, uh, Pakistan persists in, you know, basically uh, maintaining a state of war, uh, undeclared war, uh, which occasionally becomes a declared war, which Pakistan loses, uh, with India. Um, now, most Pakistanis have over the decades, even though all, the majority of Pakistanis support Pakistani claims on Kashmir, uh, they admit that their own military has been basically uh, running a con on the uh, on the Pakistani people and the Pakistani government. Uh, the Pakistani uh, military, you know, uh, is is let me put it this way: there are six uh, times as many people in India as in Pakistan. The uh, economic disparity is even greater, uh, as is the uh, the amount of uh, money spent on on, on military uh, the military budget. Uh, and ever since 2001, uh, nearly 20 percent of the Pakistani military budget has been subsidized by the unit, by paid for by the United States military aid, which is now cut off because uh, increasingly over the last five, ten, well, since, two, since before 2011, the United States and the neighboring countries of Pakistan and Afghanistan have accused Pakistan of sponsoring this terrorism. Uh, the Pakistanis created the Taliban in the mid-1990s to basically have a, 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 a faction uh, fighting in the, in the Afghan civil war, and the, and, the, and, the, and the Taliban were still attempting to conquer the entire country of Afghanistan when 2001 occurred, uh, and we know how that all turned out. Uh, <clears throat> and the uh, Pakistanis military has never backed off from this. 
Now they are condemned. I mean, the, the condemnations are basically the majority of the UN. Uh, the only is, is basically saying, you know, Pakistan, stop. You know, you're basically a, a international pariah for this. But because they have Russia and China as allies, uh, they have the two vetoes in the Security Council, which block any serious UN measures against them. Now, we've cut off their aid. Uh, they are basically uh, trying to blackmail the United States by saying, well, we'll cut off, uh, you know, uh, land, uh, you know, the truck access to uh, Afghanistan uh, because Afghanistan is landlocked. But that no longer works, well, more or less, because uh, there's a new uh, landline of railroads and road and a new port in Iran. So there's another way in. Now, India paid for much of this Iranian connection. Um, the Iranians have been trying to establish good relations with Pakistan, and they normally have, but now the Pakistanis have basically thrown in with the Saudis because the Saudis have more money. And the so actually, the Saudis have been subsidizing Pakistan for a long time. Uh, you know, especially since the price of oil uh, shot up in the 1970s. Uh, and Pakistanis realize, you know, they're mainly Sunnis, and the uh, and the, uh, the Iranians are mainly Shia. Um, uh, there, there's a, you know, there's a religious dictatorship in Iran, which is, pop, which is unpopular with most Iranians now. Uh, maybe they'd better side with uh, Saudi Arabia. They maintain fairly good relations with Iran, but they're not on a, but they're not, you know, buddies with Iran, and Iran is literally uh, using this this new corridor <coughs> into into Afghanistan, which the United States accepted, you know, from the sanctions as a basically a major trading a source of income because it opens up not only trade with Afghanistan but also with Central Asia. Um, so this is a big deal for Iran, no matter who's running the government. Uh, now, the, the, uh, the problem is that uh, for centuries, the major pathway, land route into Afghanistan is through the Khyber Pass. That's the main uh, crossing. And another one down in, uh, in Helmand where most of the heroin is grown. That's, that's one of the reasons why there's so much heroin grown down there. It's easy to smuggle it out with bribes to the Pakistani security forces and get it into the Karachi and onto a ship or an airplane, and off we go. The, so you have a situation where Pakistan is basically an outlaw state, you know, ex, ex, uh, using uh, their own force, as it were, of uh, uh, Islamic terrorist organizations, uh, and, and, and the military has increased its political power without taking over the government. They're doing it with terror. I mean, we cover it regularly in, in strategy page, but they're basically, they've terrorized many of the, the judges, but not all of them. Uh, they've terrorized the, the uh, mass media, uh, including Facebook, which apparently isn't that hard to terrorize. Uh, and um, they've basically gotten uh, Facebook, for example, and Google uh, to, uh, to uh, shut down uh, anybody the Pakistani military complains about is saying nasty things about them. Now, a lot of those nasty things happen to be true about the kidnappings and the murders and the and the intimidation plots and uh, you know uh, tactics. Um, but the fact is, the they've learned that from the Chinese. You can basically get the the Western media to back off uh, and to stop you know uh, doing a lot of damage internally by just simply letting the news spread. Uh, 
fortunately, uh, there are other, you know, uh, how should I put it, news outlets on the on the Internet. And the news does get around inside Pakistan. So Pakistan, although they are stronger, the military has more mil- has more political power now than they have ever had in the past without actually running the government. They are more unpopular. Uh, the only thing that's keeping them alive is not the Chinese, but it's that uh, the, uh, the, how should I put it, the minority, the militant minority of Muslims. They've created, created this other monster in their midst uh, who is willing to basically impose Sharia law, uh, all sorts of nasty stuff, which occasionally pops up into the news. Um, and uh, nobody can do anything about it. Now, the Chinese are in a, in a, a strange situation here. They are using Pakistan as a main uh, trunk line for their One Belt, One Road, uh, or whatever the uh, the Belt and Road Initiative. They keep changing their name. But anyway, they have a major road, railroad, and uh, and pipeline, a fiber optic line uh, connection going down into Pakistan uh, and into a new port, which has been built down by the Iranian border, uh, mainly for China's benefit. Uh, they have close to over close to half a million Chinese working in in, uh, in Pakistan. The uh, Pakistani military has basically formed a special unit, a base, a core size unit, whose only job is to assure the safety of Chinese uh, in in Pakistan. The Chinese Pakistan are major targets, but. The Islamic terrorists have been ordered, you know, the internal, you know, the, the government-sponsored terrorists, but you lay them all, lay off. Chinese are off limits. So they only have to worry about the, the rogue uh, uh, Islamic terrorist units, which have always, I mean, long before the 1970s, been attacking other Muslims who they feel are heretics or not their type of Muslim. It's very, it's a very violent situation, uh, religious, religion-wise in Pakistan, much more so than in India. Um, and the Chinese have basically told the Pakistanis, uh, there's going to be two differences with the way we operate versus the Americans. One, uh, we'll pull out, you know, we're not going to play any games with Islamic, t- you supporting Islamic, Islamic terrorism against us. It will not happen. And remarkably, it hasn't. Uh, you see, secondly, we don't give you money. We loan you money, and we expect payback, uh, which is a big difference from the Americans who basically gave them you know, $30 billion over the years. Um, and the Chinese basically don't mess around. Uh, they basically have reestablished the uh, imperial form of government, which was one strong man who serves for life. That's Mr. Xi, who is currently in power. He considers himself a, a new Mao Zedong, which is not a an ominous, which is not a big, big comforting thought. Um, and uh, and the Pakistanis respect this. They said, okay, uh, no freebies, uh, good technology, but not as good as the as the Americans were giving us. Um, and uh, we got to control our own Islamic terrorists who love to attack, uh, many of whom love to attack Chinese, um, and we'll show them we can do it, which is ironic because it's Pakistan shows that they can control Islamic terrorism if they want to. But in terms of attacking and sponsoring uh, attacks in India and Afghanistan, they do not want to. And this is something the majority of the neighbors, well, the majority of the world and the UN, they've officially acknowledged that. Nobody can do anything about it because they're protected by Russia and especially by China. So there's a situation. Uh, a, a heavily armed slum. Austin? Well, 
<clears throat> Jim gave a great uh, rundown on the, on the history. Uh, let me point out a couple of things about 1940, 1947, when the separation occurred. Um, and I want to say it was six, seven years ago, I wrote an article that ran in the Weekly Standard about uh, about the, the separation of the division of British India into uh, India and Pakistan, West and East Pakistan. East Pakistan was, is now Bangladesh, result of the 1971 Indo-Pakistani War. I argued that uh, that Division was one of the greatest uh, geopolitical mistakes of the 20th century. Now, I had thought that for a number of reasons, but there are, uh, I, I won't say they are a majority, they aren't, but there are a number of Pakistani uh, intellectuals and, well, degreed technical experts who have uh, studied in the West here in the United States uh, uh, among them. And this is where I spoke to some uh, about this uh, several years ago, who, who have come to the conclusion that it was a mistake as well. There were a lot of Hindus and, and, and Muslims at the time that asked themselves, why are we doing this? Now, the biggest reason, one of the biggest reasons was that the uh, Leader of the Muslim League, uh, Ali Jinnah, made the claim that Muslims will never prosper under a Hindu regime. And as Jim just told you, that's flat not true. <laughs> uh, doesn't India still have uh, the largest uh, Muslim population in the world, comparable to Indonesia's, or just it's smaller? Yeah, smaller. So they, little they, smaller. Have, they, are, they have more than Pakistan, and they are much less uh, Islamic terrorism among their Muslim population. Yeah, That's very it, telling. I was looking at absolute absolute numbers. It's it's yeah. comparable to to, uh, to to Indonesia. In other words, a huge Muslim population, and they are doing far better uh, as a group than the, the Muslims in, in in Pakistan and I'll in Bangladesh uh, as well. Even though Bangladesh, Muslim Indians. Uh, and Bengalis, some, many of them, and uh, they're an ally of India. <laughs> uh, maybe they're a creature of India in some ways, but uh, there's, they are uh, uh, function as an uh, ally of, uh, of India, not an enemy. It, anyway, to get back to the, the, the thinking of these, this new generation of Pakistanis, it's why do we fight the Indians? We really speak the same language, Hindi and Urdu, yeah, there's some variations on it. There are some more now than there were in the late 19, 1940s, but they're basically the same uh, same language. They also speak English. Wide, uh, uh, English is widely spoken, at least in in the uh, what I'll call the more urban and settled areas of, uh, of Pakistan. The <coughs> tribal territories are uh, another problem. Which is another reason a lot of Pakistanis think that uh, the dividing India uh, hurt Pakistan more than it hurt Pakistan a lot is that it lost the strategic depth of India dealing with the hill tribes. 
Now that's it's you, you have to, and there's many of those, as Jim was uh, uh, saying, many of those tribes are are religious radicals. Well, that's one of the uh, interior issues in uh, Pakistan that doesn't stay interior. Now, uh, one other thing I'll, uh, I'll I'll touch on about it: Do I think it's possible to reconstitute uh, a? a India was essentially a, the, the British India that existed. No, not now. Uh, it's uh, but uh, again, it would be interesting if the Pakistani military <clears throat> continues on the destructive path that it has been on, really for the last oh last thirty years. Uh, you may you may have a a demand uh, in rising out of Pakistan, eventually saying, "Let's stop this." Now, the, the, uh, let's 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 end the antagonism. But in her China, China has uh, an interest in keeping the antagonism going. Uh, the antagonism between Pakistan and India distracts India, and the Sino-Indian War of 1962 isn't over. This is something we've touched on in strategy talks three or four times, uh, and uh, I think Jim and I did a strategy talk on Indian and, and Chinese uh, uh, territorial claims. Uh, it was quite some time ago, but those they still shoot at each other way up there in the Himalayas, and the Indians are still rankled that the Chinese got the jump on them in 1962 and really took the uh, the controlling. Uh, uh, points of, uh, of some of the major passes going south, particularly in uh, the eastern uh, in the eastern sector. The Chinese uh, have, as Jim said, uh, poured money uh, done in, in Pakistan construction, uh, like the, the huge port Gadar. That's one way it's uh, spelled G A W D A R. In some places you'll see it G A I D A R, but it's a port complex and it's a commercial port complex, according to the Pakistanis and the, and the Chinese. But as uh, the Indians point out, it's 98% of the facilities are in will be in place to support a, 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 a Chinese Navy if the Chinese Navy decided to uh, take up uh, a permanent uh, operations uh, in the uh, in the Indian Ocean so you the, 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 insta, the division and the instability has now got a emerging global power uh, on the side of, of Pakistan uh, to keep to keep the pot boiling, I guess is the way I want to uh, I want to say it. Uh, could this war go nuclear? Interestingly enough, and I saw this on you know, YouTube uh, a couple of days ago, there, we, there was a senior Pakistani official. Uh, he said he was addressing the the people of India, saying, "Can't we keep this cool? We have nuclear weapons, and you have nuclear weapons." Well, let's keep it cool, but remember what set off this latest clash was an attack that killed, what was it, Jim, 40, uh, 40 soldiers? And, yeah. And, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, you know, right in that, uh, that's, well, I, when I first read, uh, first report I read, it was in the high 30s, and then it was o over over 40, uh, m most of them uh, Indian uh, soldiers, uh, some uh, other security personnel, and, and, and civilians, an outright attack 
by uh, uh, Islamist terrorists. And uh, it's, again, they are supported, Jim made this point, point, by elements of the Pakistani military who use this, use Kashmir as a political uh, tool for galvanizing uh, public support. And, and therefore, the Indians say, you know, we're not going to accept an attack of that size without striking back. And then it's accelerated, escalated to the point of supposedly two Indian uh, aircraft were shot down uh, about two days ago. As we uh, re record this, there's evidence of, uh, of one being shot down, uh, uh, the parts of a MiG-21 in uh, Pakistan's uh, slice of, uh, of Kashmir. Uh, I haven't read any place about what the uh, Pakistani aircraft were. They're probably F-16s. Uh, if they were F-16s, it's another advertisement for American American aircraft. But uh, the, the fact that India and, and Pakistan are shooting at one another is, is bodes ill uh, for uh, uh, <coughs> for the immediate future. Could they start shooting at each other uh, conventionally? They already have. Uh, artillery duels have, have broken out. They're reminiscent of what was called the Cargill War that uh, has gone, flickered on and off since, I want to say 1999. Yeah, it was yeah. 1999. Yeah, it was 1999. Uh, look back that the number of the, the 65 Indo-Pakistani war was, was quite serious. We're living with the results of the 1971 Indo-Pakistani war, where India ultimately invaded East Pakistan and Bangladesh um, uh, emerged. Uh, Jim, I need to check on this. There was one Muslim-ruled enclave that had it was overwhelmingly Hindu in the in the people that ended up being part of India. It's, it was really really tiny, but the Pakistanis still make a big deal out of that politically, saying, "Well, if you claim Kashmir because um, you know you had, it had a Hindu uh, ruler, about a third of the population." Uh, was uh, is, uh, is Hindu, uh, and the other two thirds was Muslim. But the the other one was tiny. Kashmir is huge. Yeah, and it's that's that's the that's the plus plus, plus Kashmir is full of Hindu shrines. Absolutely, it's, it's, it's one. Of, you got you to remember that the Ganges River, most of uh, you know the southeastern Pakistan, is a holy area for Hindus. Because that's where Hinduism is considered to have been arisen, as it were, and, and flourished in its various golden ages. Um, the the Muslims, uh, you know, Timur and what have you, the various invasions, uh, they managed to uh, convert uh, a lot of uh, Indians, usually at sword point, uh, to Islam. And that was resented. Now, it, it was a cause of uh, friction between uh, Muslims in general and India. Because unlike most of their other conquests, like Iran, uh, which was, uh, you know, which was quickly uh, converted, as it were, to, uh, to Islam, um, the majority of Indians did not convert. I mean, they resisted. The, uh, the Muslim rulers in, in, uh, in, uh, in India uh, were never able 
to conquer the entire country. Uh, in fact, that's one reason why India was so uh, Britain was so successful in in, in basically unifying uh, the whole country. They were a dominant military, superior military power and and diplomatic power, uh, and they were outsiders. And although the, the Indians and Pakistanis, you know, will will won't take too much encouragement to, to uh, curse out the Indian neo colonialism, they do accept the fact that they gave them a common language, which uh, was not a political football, in other words, English, is generally acknowledged. In fact, there are now more English speakers in India than any other country in the world, another, another distinction uh, they have. Um, and also, uh, India uh, had the uh, Industrial Revolution imposed on them by the British. That's why they have a railway system and a lot of modern industry. Uh, but, you know, the colonialism was rough. Uh, the uh, the British did not mess around, but they basically used the same techniques the Romans did. They were foreign invaders, but they brought better government uh, than the, uh, you know, the the native rulers, as it were. And that's something that the uh, you know the the post uh, you know colonial governments have never been able to attain. And it's something they you know was talked about you know uh, quietly you know in in you know out of out of public uh, view uh, in India and Pakistan. Uh, that basically the native, the existing uh, corruption Raj, as they call it in India, uh, the, the ancient customs of corruption are what's really holding India and Pakistan back uh, and not any after effects of colonialism. Uh, in fact, that you wouldn't have the world's largest functioning democracy in India if it weren't for the colonialism because it had provided a, uh, a non a non-controversial common language, um, and uh, just as Latin did in many parts of, of Europe uh, up until you know about 200 years ago, um, and uh, it also provided you know te technology, which when the British left was accepted. They did not go burn down the railroads and, and, and shut down the factories. They realized, hey, this stuff has benefits. Uh, let's have more of it. Uh, unfortunately, the Indians adopted socialism, and it took them a few decades to realize, you know, this really doesn't work. I mean, when India kicked that out, you know, in the in the eighties, the Indians said, the Indian, you know, critics of socialism said to their said to the politicians, look, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the Brits, even though you know, made it work. And then, of course, with communism, by the time communism collapsed, the Indians said, all right, end of end of the socialist experiment, and their and their economy got off to a, a, a growth spurt, which had, had never experienced before. But the Chinese were ahead of them. Even though China is a, a, a still a communist police state, they realized before India did that socialism doesn't work, and they adopted a free market economy, which has made them the second largest, you know, uh, eco economy in the world in, you know, in less than, you know, uh, in about 30 years. Uh, the Indians still talk about, hey, we can we can basically, uh, you know, beat the Chinese, but they can't because they are more corrupt than China. Uh, same in India. Uh, for example, big difference between India and China or South Asia is that in India and Pakistan, the educational system is corrupt. In other words, teaching jobs are considered political patronage. Uh, there are many cases their jobs you know simply get for being a loyal supporter of the local you know political party, and uh, you either don't you don't have to be a qualified teacher, you don't even have to show up for work much at a time. Uh, so education in India and Pakistan for the majority of people is basically uh, private schools, which are not that expensive, but 
given the poor state of the economy because of the you know the decades of, of socialist experimentation, in other words, letting the government run everything, uh, there's not a lot of money to uh, you know to spread around. So there are problems here which are part and parcel of the local culture, the corruption. The, uh, the, how should I put it, the, the tendency towards, you know, uh, a, a very strong military. That was always a problem in, pre, in pre-colonial India. And one reason why uh, there was no effective opposition to the, uh, the British, because there was no democracy. These were all principalities, as it were, where the generals and the nobles, you know, basically were constantly game of throwing each other to death. Um, and... The British, although a monarchy, they were a constitutional monarchy, and they basically taught the Indians, this is how you do it. And basically, the Indians said, yeah, let's get rid of the, the aristocracy completely. Uh, and uh, But they basically did it much more effectively than Pakistan did. But they still have the, the problems of the, the corruption, uh, and that is basically what is what is hurting them more than the Chinese or anything else. Um, and we cover that, you know, regularly in strategy page and how progress is or is not happening. Um, but the Chinese are taking full advantage of this. They realize exactly how and why the Indians are weak economically and militarily. Uh, the corruption affects the military, not so much in terms of, you know, buying and selling, you know, promotions and things like that, but the procurement system. It, it's, 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 it's devastating how bad it is. And, and the government keeps trying to add more layers of, of bureaucracy to to haul uh, corruption, but that just creates more of it. And it, it literally takes a, a decade to uh, to buy new weapon systems, uh, even longer if it's a foreign system. Uh, and in the meantime, the military is saying, "Look, you know, we're dying here, literally, because we haven't got modern equipment." Uh, and that's an epic, you know, uh, tragedy in India, which doesn't get much, you know, uh, play in the in the West. It's a similar situation in Pakistan, but the Pakistani military is literally uh, a separate political power in Pakistan. Um, and they can basically get whatever they can hustle out of some other country. The, the elected government won't oppose the military. Um, and the Pakistani military has a much larger proportion of the national budget uh, than the Indian military does and a lot more power. And that's what you see playing out there. The Pakistani military is creating this tension, which they do not want to escalate into a nuclear war. Then it's all over them. Everybody realizes that, which is why this thing escalated. I mean, it's not the first time the Indians have attacked inside, you know, India, uh, Pakistani Kashmir because of terrorism. The last time they did it was with a commando raid, uh, which was successful in basically uh, wiping out a, a camp uh, uh, close to the base where uh, yeah, Pakistani trained. Uh, Islamic terrorists were preparing to come across the border, sneak across the border. Um, but the Pakistanis immediately moved more forces to the border to make it more difficult to carry out a surprise attack like that. Then the Indians started, uh, literally, they've been doing it for months, practicing a surgical strike with aircraft. Now, it's still unclear if they actually carried that out. There, there, are, there, are, there are dozens of identified from commercial satellite photography, you know, terrorist camps in uh, Pakistan, Kashmir. So it's no secret where the targets are. So give a couple of weeks, and commercial satellite photos will come out showing you know if any of them were received as much damage as the Indians say they inflicted. Uh, but the Pakistanis had to respond, but not too much. 
they cannot afford international war because they've lost every one they have fought uh, with India. And as Austin pointed out, the, uh, the, the one in 1999, it almost escalated. I mean, India was moving its larger armed forces to the border. Uh, and when the when the when the uh, when Musharraf, who, who later staged a coup after that, uh, uh, backed off because he realized we're losing and we'll lose bigger if we keep it up. Uh, so that's one lesson the Pakistani military has learned. But they have not stopped using their brinksmanship and their use of terror to basically distract the Pakistani people from the real enemy, which is the military itself. Let, let me, Jim, let me. That's a good memory of the of 1999 Car, uh, Cargill uh, con, uh, conflict because the Indians uh, started moving. Uh, and it was noticed uh, at least a mechanized core towards the towards the line of control. I don't know how how close it actually came, but they were moving. Uh, no, they were right uh, on the border. All right, so they brought it up. I know. Well, some of the units the, the I know were, were were deeper uh, were located deeper back in in India. They started bring, uh, uh, bringing it up, which is uh, like very serious. Uh, statement of uh, of intent. Let me let me make a couple of comments though about the corruption. Yes, the corru- the Indians know the corruption holds them back, and there is deep political disenchantment with with that. They uh, it doesn't mean it it's going to. <laughs> Cure it. You you said something about you know taking ten years to uh, to get something through that acquisition system. The the military over there, and you, I get this out of reading, uh, uh, sometimes reading it straight, but not not between the lines in, in some of the Indian publications uh, that I lo- uh, look at it. They're screaming about it because they see the threat that China poses, and uh, you know we this. Is covered on strategy page. Jim uh, works uh, works that into it. The military, matter of fact, just spoke about how upset the mil- military is with the uh, acquisition system imposed on it uh, by the government. One other quick comment about the Indian uh, military: they have got some absolutely superb soldiers. They really man- managed to maintain. The tradition of the old so-called British Indian Army, it was really the Indian Army is what it was called, but in World War II, most World War II histories, you'll see it called the British Indian Army. Pakistan has as well. The Indians, uh, the, uh, the, the Indians have maintained it, and they, they, in their, they stand up and say, look, we beat the Japanese, <laughs> we fought Africa Corps, <laughs> our soldiers fought their way up, uh, up the Italian Peninsula. We punched. Uh, uh, we punched first world uh, forces, and they did. Well, trained with British military training methods. That's a, so. There is this also for all the anger at British colonialism. Jim touched on this. There's a, an appreciation of it, and as the, the folks who were around in 47, 50, 55 pass away, younger generation kind of delights that they speak, they call it I-N-G-L-I-S-H, English. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. No, no, it's a great pun. It's a great pun. I know, I know. And, and, and they, uh, I, I first encountered it uh, 40 years ago. 
uh, from a uh, from an uh, 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 Indian fellow who's a graduate student here in the states. But you know, like English, <laughs> and you know, it's great. And they've they've got their own patois and slang that's that, that's uh, de- developed uh, over the years. But it, it acts as a bonding force within India because there are all kinds of local dialects, and uh, not everybody even speaks. Uh, uh, speaks Hindi. By the way, I know this is an obscurity. I did manage. I thought I've got to remember the name of that of that uh, uh, Muslim-ruled state, and it it was. Uh, I'm going to take a shot at it. The princely state of Junagadh is very, very tiny, and uh, it was. Um, it actually decided to join. Uh, 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 India, huge Hindu majority, uh, and a, with a, a Muslim ruler, but it didn't go the way it was, as Jim said, the division was supposed to go. If you had a, a Muslim ruler, you were Pakistan, in, uh, Hindu ruler, you were India. And just because this tiny little place didn't go the way it was supposed to, it's still a used uh, as a a burning uh, Im- a political ember by the uh, uh, Pac- by Pakistani Pakistani radicals. So J U N A G A D H. I did I did remember it. It, it, sh- it shows up in trivia contests about. Uh, I'm I'm joking about the Indo-Pakistani division. There are no trivia contests on it, but. Uh, that is that was the exception to it. Uh, Dan, I, I feel like I ought to uh, uh, ought to add that one of the forces uh, that wants more contact with uh, the U.S. military is is the Indian military. They've been working with the Australians. They work with the Singaporeans because they see Singapore and Australia as fellow colonial victims of Great Britain. That's the way it it was at at one time. Uh, Singapore's uh, air forces train uh, frequently on Indian uh, air training areas or Indian military training areas. They don't have any space. They go up and they uh, operate uh, in, in India. And now, uh, <clears throat> as since 2007, that quadrilateral uh, strategic dialogue, the Quad, has emerged. Uh, Japan, Australia, uh, India, and the United States. And that's a response to China. Poor India may be the tortoise and China the hare, and that is the way it's uh, some Indian uh, Indian writers have talked about it. China's uh, uh, the, the rabbit, the hare that's running away in the race, and we're just this slow-moving tortoise. But they say that some of the strengths we've got are is that we really do have an open society. You're not going to be thrown in jail for reading the Wall Street Journal or The Economist. You're not going to be thrown in jail for, for reading most anything. Uh, you might be thrown in jail if you uh, – you would be if you threatened to assassinate uh, a uh, – a, a, a leader, a speech like that, get, that gets you in jail in the United States. But uh, it's, uh, you know, in, in terms of information, it's information free. They've also seen how that English is such a, a value. Look, look at uh, uh, Bangalore and some of the other Indian high tech uh, uh, operations. It's uh, global tech companies have. Uh, technicians that you get on, you call 
have some trouble with your computer there in uh, in Utah or in Pennsylvania, you end up with uh, someone from India or the Philippines. Same thing, Philippines, along with a lot of uh, a lot of uh, in- English speakers. They've seen this, uh, that that produces uh, well-paying jobs. They're also prestigious, and you know, there there's a U.S. connection. Now, what's interesting about the quad, and we've talked about it before, and you know, the, and the, if it's a quince and Singapore's in it, uh, four of them in there are, are British colonies, aren't they? The U.S., Singapore, Australia, and India. Japan's not, but Japan had about eight or nine years of being kind of an American satrap. Uh, they're all threatened by China. And as I said, the way I see a lot of what goes on in, in between India and Pakistan now, primarily, yes, the uh, Pakistan uh, military part of it has uh, an interest in keeping things stirred up. But the, behind it is, is China, which has a, a great interest in keeping the Indian tortoise distracted with, uh, uh, with Pakistan. Because I think the Chinese are very, very uh, concerned about what India is going to do uh, or could do. And looks like it's going to do if it becomes a quasi-military ally of the United States and Japan. So I'll leave it with that, unless Jim's got some reaction to it. No, nope, that about sums it up. Paranoia all around. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll end it there, and uh, we'll talk to you gentlemen next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.